0: Hi, you're
1: listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Listeners, today's topic is celebrating Easter. Hey, friends. Today is a celebration of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior. I think it's wonderful that you and I can celebrate together. But before we get to the fabulous part of the Easter story, the resurrection of our Lord, I want to take a few steps back, heading towards Good Friday and the crucifixion. And then we're going to move through and journey with Jesus to the cross. So often we forget that although Christ came to earth and was without sin, he was a human and experienced emotions. As he journeyed and traveled to the cross, I want to look with you at the five emotions that you and I experience all the time, but we don't realize that Jesus Christ experienced them as well. Let's look at how he dealt with those emotions in a healthy way as he traveled towards something he was called to do something he had to do for us to have eternal life. The first emotion is one that most of us experience in some form every single week. I know for me personally, I experience it almost every single day. Jesus experienced fear, fear in the Garden of Gethsemane. Listen to Scripture from Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Here Jesus walks up the path to a beautiful garden, Gethsemane. It's still there today. Did you know that? at the foot of the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. He has Peter, and it says the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, with him. He's told them what will happen, but they don't fully get it. They're just not understanding. He asks them one simple request, Hey guys, stay awake and pray with me. It's not a lot to ask. But the Apostle Luke says in his word that they were sleeping because they were so overwhelmed with sorrow. You and I know what sorrow is. We've lost husbands or friends. We've seen our parents grow old or die. We've lost children. We've been sick ourselves. We've sat with people who are dying. We've seen sadness. We understand fear and sorrow. What a comfort to know that Jesus understood it to the deepest degree. But there were moments then in that garden that he was afraid. He was asking his friends, don't leave me, don't leave me alone. Times when life is scary happens to all of us. And for those few moments, it was utterly fear. Sometimes I wish that someone else could step in for me when I'm dealing with something that's scary. Sometimes when we're dealing with cancer or having checkups like MRIs, we want somebody else to go in for us. Can you step in? But people can't because we have to face things ourselves. What does Christ's example for our journey teach? He says, please, you guys, don't leave me alone. Just stay with me and pray. And three times he tells the disciples that, and guess what? They were sleeping every single time. What does Jesus Christ do? He says, will you stay with me while I what? While I pray. That's the answer. When we're feeling fearful, the answer for fear is prayer. Martin Luther once said to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. The second emotion that Jesus dealt with is grief in the garden. In Matthew 26, 39, this is what Scripture says. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. The reality of what is about to happen is settling in. Jesus is praying. He's experiencing grief at the deepest level. Do you remember what Scripture says? It says that he was praying and in so much agony that his sweat was like drops of blood. There he is, experiencing this deep fear. And now it's moving into grief. Why? Because he's God. He knows what will happen. Remember, he's the Trinity God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Innocent lamb nailed to a tree. And it's brutal. You guys, this isn't being shot in some NCIS show or taken poison. He's being beaten before he even gets there. He has to carry his own cross. Remember, he couldn't do it at the end. And so as Jesus is going to be hanging on that cross, it's going to be utter agony. Nails through your hands, nails through your feet, spear in your side. He's grieving because he knows what's coming. It's not something that's going to be easy to go through. It's going to be long, agonizing, and painful. And for what? What? for you and me, for the sins of the world, not for anything that Jesus Christ did, but something that all of the people on planet Earth have done. You and I know grief. It crept in when your sister died. You saw it when your friend lost her home in the storm, when that child was kidnapped and brutally murdered. You see it on the news every day, people grieving for the loss of things that are happening. It's a missing of what's lost. It's questioning the whys of the situation. As a mother of three, I often blame myself. How could I get involved with someone and end up like this in a divorce? I was married to somebody that was living a double life. Now, thankfully, years later, I met the fabulous farmer, Dean. But in those moments before I ever knew Dean, in those years, I grieved and grieved. How could I be manipulated? How could I be controlled And how could I get into a life like that? Well, as I told you before, we are learning from those emotions that Jesus had. And he had not just fear, but the second one, grief. And here's the answer. What does scripture say? Jesus Christ says, If it's your will, can you take this from me? And he says, If it's not, I will walk through this. So here's the deal. When we're looking at grief, the answer to grief through Scripture is faith. We're going to believe if it's your will. And sometimes that's really hard. Well, a lot of times it's really hard to say, is it going to be your will that this would happen? And sometimes it's not good things. It wasn't for Jesus. It was great for you and me. Martin Luther King Jr. said, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. I love that visual. Can you imagine? You're getting ready to walk up the stairs. You can't even see all of them, but it's taking that first step. That's faith. That's what's going to help combat that incredibly deep emotion of grieving. Well, before we move on, let's take a couple minutes and begin to think about these two emotions, fear and grief. What are you afraid of today? How does fear make you react and respond in your everyday life? When you're grieving about something, how do you personally display that emotion? Let's listen to this reminder of God's grace. Let's imagine as he is in that garden of Gethsemane, getting ready to prepare himself for the cross. Let's listen to Lamb of God by Bebo Norman.
0: take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of
1: third emotion that Jesus experienced was loss and I know that you're thinking how can loss be an emotion but it is we feel loss we feel lost and we feel hopeless and at times loss can seem so overwhelming like a deep huge well. what was Jesus losing well he would be headed back home towards his beautiful kingdom with God the Father but he would be losing something here on earth and that is losing the trust that he had in his friends do you remember what happened he's in the garden and he's praying and he's asking his friends stay awake and so those three friends Peter James and John do not stay awake they sleep but not only that he's getting ready for what's going to happen do you remember he has twelve disciples one of them will be coming now judas iscariot he will be the betrayer of jesus selling him out for just some simple pieces of silver to the roman soldiers a betrayal from his followers his disciples his friends listen to matthew then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. And in Matthew twenty-six fifty, it says, Friend, think about that. He's calling Judas Iscariot friend. Friend, do what you came for. And he looks up at Judas, who's arrived with the soldiers. Do you remember that Judas Iscariot gave him away with a simple betrayal? Of a kiss. So, what did he lose? Well, obviously, some trust in those friends. Jesus has served with those same disciples for the past three years. You know, we see in scripture that Jesus was born in a stable. And we know that the next time that we see, he is a little child, 12 years old, in the temple. But then we really don't read anything else about him until God calls him. To this great call, at thirty he has three years to travel. He's calling his disciples. He's healing the sick. He's healing the blind. He's preaching. He's teaching to multitudes. Remember the Sermon on the Mount, five thousand people. Remember when he takes bread and fish and and makes it um, a huge meal for all of those people. Remember all of the things that he did were in a really short amount of time. And he's traveled with them day and night. These same men, they know, they believe that he's the son of God. And now he's betrayed. This has to feel like an incredible loss. And maybe you, listener, have felt that way. Maybe you've been through something hard like divorce, or maybe you've been betrayed by a boss or somebody at your job. Maybe you've been betrayed by a neighbor or someone at your church, even your own pastor. Loss is great when Jesus faces the fact that these disciples are not only sleeping and betraying him with a kiss, but guess what? They're going to run away when they're challenged. The Roman soldiers are going to say, hey, were you part of this team with Jesus Christ? Remember, the crowds are talking about him, and a young girl points and says, hey, that man was with Jesus, pointing to Peter. Remember what Jesus said? He said, Peter, before the cock crows three times, you will deny me. And that's exactly what happens. Judas is selling his whereabouts for the 30 pieces of silver. It's betrayal. It's loss. We know that feeling. But it's really, really hard because it's all leading up to the cross. Judas Peter, the disciples, Pontius Pilate, his followers. And you know what's really tough? Even God the Father turns his head and looks the other way. Remember dying on the cross, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt lost. What can we learn from the emotion from scripture? Well, Jesus's example again shows us that you're looking at loss, and here's what to do when you feel lost. You have to trust. It's like faith. It's trusting that what's happening is exactly what's supposed to be happening. But humans can't always be trusted, can we? I know there are times when I fail miserably. I'm sure you do as well. But God can be trusted. He'll never let us down. Here's a quote from Anne Rofe. Grief is in two parts. The first is loss. The second is the remaking of life. Now let's look at the fourth emotion today. It's in the form of a verb, obedience. And you're going to say, hey, that's something that we do. But when we feel the obedience emotions that go with it, we're giving in, we're letting go, we're releasing to be able to walk forward and do something. And that's a mindset. If we're going to obey say that God's calling us to do something. Maybe it's not huge, like um, move to the other side of the world, but maybe it's something small, like teach a Bible study or go volunteer at your hospital. If God is prompting you to do that, your steps have to be that you're going to obey. You're going to give in to God's calling. And that's what Jesus Christ did. So in Matthew 27, here's what we see. From noon until three in the afternoon Darkness came over all the land. Can you imagine? The people who were mocking and scoffing and said, take him, take him, and Pontius Pilate says, come on, this man is innocent. I see nothing wrong with what he's done. But the crowd wants Jesus to die. Can you imagine how they felt when stuff starts happening, weird stuff? So a darkness comes across the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cries out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus felt fear. He felt grief. He's experienced loss. And now he understands betrayal, but it's the moment of truth. The time when he gives in to obedience, when he is saying, I'm going to give up my ghost. I'm dying now for the weight of the world, for the sins of the world. His father didn't send angels. He could have. You know, he could have sent angels, legions of them, to come and get him, take him out. His father didn't respond to his request. Please, if it's possible, could you get me out of it? Instead, Jesus gives into the will of the father by saying, not my will, but thine, O Lord sheer and utter obedience. The word obedience means the act or practice or following instructions or submitting to somebody else's authority. It's God's directive. Things work out when we do what he leads us to do. Now, what does Christ's example for our journey teach as we look at obedience? I know it's hard to think about it this way, but it really does deliver peace. When we finally give in to God, we have ultimate peace because his ways are better. With faith and obedience practiced long enough, the Holy Ghost becomes a constant companion, our natures change, and endurance becomes certain. That's a quote by Henry B. Iring. Lastly, Christ experienced the emotion of hope through the resurrection. In Matthew 28, we see that Christ's obedience was to die on the cross for us. It was prophesied by the great prophets of the Old Testament. Jesus came. Jesus lived. Jesus died. But the greatest thing about dying for us isn't that that's not where the story ends. Listeners, if we look back at some of the big prophets of the world people are following, like Buddha, for example, we can go see where Buddha was buried, but he didn't rise again. With Jesus Christ, Roman guards stood in front of that tomb and guarded it constantly. And yet, what happens? An angel comes and rolls the stone away from that tomb, and Jesus Christ is resurrected. And it says in scripture, Where, O death, is your victory? Because the triumph is in the resurrection. The story doesn't end there on that cross not in that dark blackness. Remember what scripture says, that the curtain of the holy temple is torn from top to bottom. It's so tall. It's so high up. There's no way a human can tear it. It's what God was doing to show the world, this is my son. This is who you're killing. New life for Christ. New life. He shows up. His disciples are, are so surprised. Thomas doesn't even believe it's him. He's been resurrected. And Jesus says, Here, look at my nail scars. It's new life for you, for me, through that resurrection. Well, let's give a listen to this fabulous song. It's one of my favorites from Worship Land when I was a worship director. It's Kim Hill and a song called When I Remember. And when we come back, we'll talk about the amazing stone that rolled away and the Christ who rose on the third day and why we're celebrating Easter today. But let's give a listen. Here's Kim Hill, When I Remember.
2: When I Remember We can hope.
1: As I am the resurrection and the life, pain, agony, a beating. Carrying the cross, he hung on that cross, and the curtain of the temple of God was torn in two from top to bottom. The bodies laid to rest, the stone has been rolled away. The rope was wrapped tightly across that stone. There was no way that anyone could do this except for God. The women were distressed, having that sickening feeling. The one where you wake up and wish it had all been a bad dream, and yet as they walk towards the tomb, the earth begins to shake and their footing against the dirt path is unsettled, just as their hearts and minds have been. There in front of them is a bright light, a shining white light, penetrating, and they see it, an angel, the angel of the Lord. They begin to shake, the hair on the back of their neck stands up, goose flesh covers their arms, nothing has been as terrifying as what they witnessed just a few days before watching the death of their Savior as he suffered on the cross. But now fear is back. The Roman guards have been keeping watch. They're taken aback as the shaking of the ground underneath them happens, and as they look up, they're frozen in fear. The huge heavy rock that they tried to detain and hold ransom, the King of Kings is moved by one brilliant lightning-blazing angel as he sits on the rock and says to those women, there is nothing to fear here. I know you're looking for Jesus, the one they nailed to the cross. He's not here. He was raised. Just as he said, come and look at the place where he was placed. Now get on your way quickly and tell his disciples he's risen from the dead. He's going on ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. That's the message. Well, they're elated. Could this be true? They catch their breath. The fear is turned to excitement. They look at each other and exclaim, run! Run! don't walk, let's run and tell the news. He's alive. And before they can get but a few feet down the path, there he is, the Savior, standing in front of them with a look of love and forgiveness in his eyes. There he is, the same one who was crucified, the one who bled, was tortured and suffered, stood in front of them. He was back, just as he said, and he welcomes them. He is life, the author of life, the everlasting life, the same Savior. The one who felt all those emotions that we experience every day journeyed to the cross, experiencing those emotions one after another. He's a life giver. That's the message. Go run. Go tell it. He's the Savior. He's alive. Friends, take a moment right now and whisper a prayer of thanksgiving for what Christ did for you. Dying, his blood washed you clean from all sin. You have eternal life. Let me pray with you. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. We believe that you are the Savior. We believe you were nailed to the cross, died for us to give us eternal life, and you rose again. We ask you to come into our hearts and be the Lord and Savior of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me the first time, well, then purchase a Bible, find a great church, and get studying for everything you need to know to live your best life. Happy Easter. He's risen. He's risen indeed. If you missed last week's show, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes at Kathy Weckworth, your best. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best.